0: Welcome to Puritan's Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode four of The Almost Christian Discovered by Matthew Mead. Though it is true that it is life eternal to know God and Jesus Christ, yet it is as true that many Know God and Jesus Christ that shall never see life eternal. There is, you must know, a twofold knowledge. The one is common, but not saving. The other is not common, but saving. Common knowledge is that which floats in the head, but does not influence the heart. This knowledge reprobates may have. Balaam. Saw Christ from the top of the rocks and from the hills. Naturalists say that there is a pearl in the toad's head, and yet her belly is full of poison. The French have a berry which they call Yves de Spine, the grape of a thorn. The common knowledge of Christ is the pearl in the toad's head, the grape that grows upon thorns. It may be found in men unsanctified. And then there is a saving knowledge of God and Christ, which includes the assent of the mind and the consent of the will. This is a knowledge that implies faith. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many And this is that knowledge which leads to life eternal. Now, whatever that measure of knowledge is, which a man may have of God and of Jesus Christ, yet, if it is not this saving knowledge, knowledge joined with affection and application, he is but almost a Christian. He only knows God aright, who knows how to obey him and obeys according to the knowledge of him. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. All knowledge without this makes a man but like Nebuchadnezzar's image, with a head of gold and feet of clay. Some know merely to know. Some know to be known. Some know to practice what they know. Now, to know, but to know, is curiosity. To know, to be known, is vain glory. But to know, to practice what we know, is gospel duty. This makes a man a complete Christian. The other, without this, makes a man almost, and yet but almost, a Christian. Section 2 A man may have great and eminent gifts, yea, spiritual gifts, and yet be, but almost, a Christian. The gift of prayer is a spiritual gift. Now this a man may have, and yet be, but almost a Christian. For the gift of prayer is one thing, the grace of prayer is another The gift of preaching and prophesying is a spiritual gift. Now this a man may have, and yet be but almost a Christian. Judas was a great preacher. So were they that came to Christ and said, Lord, Lord, we have prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils. You must know. That it is not gifts, but grace, which makes a Christian for number one. Gifts are from a common work of the Spirit. Now a man may partake of all the common gifts of the Spirit and yet be a reprobate. For therefore, they are called common because they are indifferently dispensed by the Spirit, to good and bad, to those that are believers and to those that are not. They that have grace have gifts, and they that have no grace may have the same gifts, for the Spirit works in both. Nay, in this sense, he that has no grace is under a greater work of the Spirit, quo ad hoc, as to this thing than he that has most grace a graceless professor may have greater gifts than the most holy believer he may out pray out preach and outdo them but they in sincerity and integrity outgo him number 2 gifts are for the use and good of others They are given in ordinem alium, as the schoolmen speak, for the profiting and edifying of others. So says the apostle, they are given to profit withal. Now a man may edify another by his gifts, and yet be unedified himself. He may be profitable to another, and yet unprofitable to himself. The raven was an unclean bird. God made use of her to feed Elijah. Though she was not good meat, yet it was good meat she brought. A lame man may, with his crutch, point you to the right way and yet not be able to walk in it himself. A crooked tailor may make a suit to fit a straight body though it does not fit him that made it because of his crookedness. The Church Christ's garden enclosed may be watered through a wooden gutter. The sun may give light through a dusky window, and the field may be well sowed for the dirty hand. The efficacy of the word does not depend upon the authority of him that speaks it, but upon the authority of God that blesses it, so that another may be converted by my preaching, and yet I may be cast away, notwithstanding. Balaam makes a clear and rare prophecy of Christ, and yet he has no benefit by Christ. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. But yet Balaam shall have no benefit by it. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. God may use a man's gifts to bring another to Christ when he himself, whose gifts God uses, may be a stranger unto Christ. One man may confirm another in the faith, and yet himself may be a stranger to the faith. Pendleton strengthened and confirmed Sanders in Queen Mary's days to stand in the truth he had preached and to seal it with his blood, and yet afterwards played the apostate himself. Sculptetus tells us of one. Johannes Spazerus, a famous preacher of Augsburg in Germany in the year 1523, who preached the gospel so powerfully that diverse common harlots were converted and became good Christians, and yet himself afterwards turned papist and came to a miserable end. Thus the candle may burn bright to light others in their world and yet afterwards go out in a stink. Number three, it is beyond the power of the greatest gifts to change the heart. A man may preach like an apostle, pray like an angel, and yet may have the heart of a devil. It is grace only that can change the heart. The greatest gifts cannot change it, but the least grace can. Gifts may make a man a scholar, but grace makes a man a believer. Now, if gifts cannot change the heart, then a man may have the greatest gifts and yet be, but almost, a Christian. Number four. Many have gone laden with gifts to hell. No doubt Judas had great gifts, for he was a preacher of the gospel. And our Lord Jesus Christ would not set him to work and not fit him for the work. Yet Judas is gone to his own place. The scribes and Pharisees were men of great gifts, and yet where is the wise Where is the scribe? The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. They that perish. Who are they? Who? The wise and the learned, both among the Jews and Greeks. These are called they that perish. A great bishop said when he saw a poor shepherd weeping over a toad, The poor illiterate world attained to heaven, while we, with all our learning, fall into hell. There are three things must be done for us if ever we would avoid perishing. We must be thoroughly convinced of sin. We must be really united to Christ. We must be instated in the covenant of grace. Now the greatest gifts cannot stead us in any of these. They cannot work through convictions. They cannot effect our union. They cannot bring us into covenant relation. And consequently, they cannot preserve us from eternally perishing. And if so, then many may have the greatest gifts and yet be but almost a Christian. Number five, gifts may decay and perish. They do not lie beyond the reach of corruption. Indeed, grace shall never perish, but gifts will. Grace is incorruptible, though gifts are not. Grace is a spring whose waters fail not, but the streams of gifts may be dried up. If grace is corruptible in its own nature, as being but a creature, yet is incorruptible in regard of its conserver as being the new creature. He that created it in us will conserve it in us. He that began it will also finish it. Gifts have their root in nature, but grace has its roots in Christ. And therefore, though gifts may die and wither, yet grace shall abide forever. Now if gifts are perishing, then... Though he that has the least grace is a Christian, he that has the greatest gifts may be, but almost a Christian. Objection. But does not the apostle bid us to covet earnestly the best gifts? Why must we covet them and covet them earnestly if they do not avail to salvation? Answer. Gifts are good, though they are not the best good. They are excellent, but there is something more excellent. So it follows in the same verse. Yet I show you a more excellent way, and that is the way of grace. One dram of grace is more worth than a talent of gifts. Gifts may make us rich towards men, but it is grace that makes us rich towards God. Our gifts profit others, but grace profits ourselves. That whereby I profit another is good, but that by which I am profited myself is better. Now because gifts are good, therefore we ought to covet them. But because they are not the best good, therefore we ought not to rest in them. We must covet gifts for the good of others, that they may be edified. And we must covet grace for the good of our own souls, that they may be saved. For whoever may be bettered by our gifts, yet we shall miscarry without grace. This concludes episode four of The Almost Christian Discovered by Matthew Mead.